This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. We're talking about chronic traumatic encephalopathy, better known as CTE, a brain condition associated with repeated blows to the head. You know, for some time, the game of football and the NFL have been at the forefront of CTE litigation, and now the National Hockey League is in the penalty box, facing litigation related to concussions and CTE in their sport. And joining me today as my co-host in this discussion is my friend and Ringler colleague, Bob Caples, head of our Houston, Texas office. And with that, Bob, thanks for being here as my co-host. I always love having you. Well, Larry, I always enjoy being invited, so thanks so much. Terrific. And our guest today is attorney Mike Andrews from the Beasley Allen Law Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. Mike has a particular passion for working on behalf of injured children, along with an interest in cases involving traumatic brain injuries. In fact, he's the president of the board of directors of the Alabama Head Injury Foundation. So with that, welcome back to Ringler Radio, Mike. Always good to have you here, and thanks again for joining us. Well, Larry, thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be on and talk about uh, all the different topics that we cover. Yeah, there are a lot, aren't there? (laughs) There are. Well, in 2013, several former hockey players brought a lawsuit against the National Hockey League, claiming that the league should have done more to educate them about concussion-related risks inherent in the sport. Uh, The NHL is still engaged in that lawsuit some five years later. So tell us about that, uh, Mike. What's going on with that? Man, what a hot topic. You know, CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, uh, as you said at the outset, is caused by repeated blows to the head. And if you if you think of the brain cells as as workmen, as workers, and the protein structure in the brain, which is called the tau protein, as sort of a scaffolding for the workers to to work on and in and, and be contained in. Well, when you when you have repeated blows to the head you damage the protein structure and you begin to release some of the tau proteins, which begin to bind. Now, the brain can repair itself, but over time, with too much impact and too much free-released damaged tau protein, you begin to, to experience diseases like Alzheimer's, like CTE, uh, and several of the other, other brain diseases that are associated with chronic impacts. So, so then you get to the NHL, which is what you've asked me about. And, you know, they have really approached this issue completely differently from the NFL, the National Football League. Uh, for years, the NFL denied that there uh, was an issue. They, they, you know, refused to give information, uh, did not as much actively give false information or, or, or disinformation, just refuse to acknowledge it. Uh, but the NFL has, has come around more recently. Now, one of, the, one of the sort of insidious things that they did 
was to fund medical research to to debunk some of the science initially. But more recently, they've come around and have have put up a fund to to pay for claims for former NFL players who are suffering from CTE. The NHL, on the other hand, uh, is crazy. Uh, they, you know, not only not only do they not recognize that it is an issue in their sport. Uh, at the last deposition of uh, of the, the NHL commissioner, you know, he said, "I don't even know what that is. I don't. I don't even recognize what CTE is." Um, and so you've got a continual denial and also just disinformation. Yeah, we're we're going to we're going to get into that. So. The lawsuit, uh, the lawsuit has been ongoing. Now, the latest that I have heard, and I don't know that it's been finalized yet, but for some 150 claimants, the NHL had proposed putting up about $18 million, which is, which is a pitiful amount, quite frankly. Um, I think, and, and again, I'm not privy to that settlement, but I think it's two pronged. One, it would pay each claimant somewhere around twenty thousand dollars, and we're talking about for a brain injury, and, and you and you receive twenty thousand. Well, it, so, it sounds to me like that's a that's a starting point, um, and we'll get into this uh, a little more during the show. We'll 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 discuss a little bit more about that, Bob. So, Mike, the NHL commissioner Gary Bettman has said that the suit doesn't have merit. Uh, and denying a link between blows to the head and CTE. Uh, could you tell us how Bettman's denial of the connection compared to the NFL's current perspective? I think it'd be easier to compare Bettman to Rudy Giuliani in that <laughs> you can't believe anything either these guys are saying. Um, you know, if you have someone who is charged with the care of professional athletes, who would look you in the eye and tell you there is no correlation between a blow to the head and brain injury, then you got to wonder what else they're, they're, you know, covering up or being dishonest about. Um, again, you know, we are at the point with the science where when enough brains of deceased players have been tested and evaluated and found to exhibit the, telltale signs of CTE, uh, then there's really no questioning the science behind it. The question then becomes, how do we prevent and treat the injury? Well, there's no question about that. But, the, you know, as you know, Mike, there's been a growing list of NHL players who've already had a concussion this season. But teams evidently are not required by the league to publicly release injury specifics. And what are your NHL player clients telling you about that aspect of it? Well, of course they're not going to release it. I mean, it's not in their best interest to tell you how many of their players are suffering brain injuries. Uh, that you know, that's that's counterproductive to their program. Um, but anyone who who played, and certainly you know, fans have all seen a a player or two that you follow that takes a particularly bad hit goes down and he's never the same again. And if it's just the edge of the aggression is taken off, the the you know the, the the fight in the player or the quickness or the agility, whatever it is, you know, you can see a difference. Uh, and so 
again, the commissioner and the league can deny all they want to, but the facts are there, and you can see it with your own two eyes. Yeah, sure. Bob? So, Mike, you know, although the NHL claims there is no direct link between these head injuries and CTE, they are still taking measures by monitoring players for concussions. For example, there are now central spotters watching every game from NHL offices. You think that's enough, or what else can they be doing? That that's window dressing. That is, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something here and make it appear that I'm taking, you know, enough steps to to look like I'm doing something to help. And a central spotter. Look, anybody who watches the game is a central spotter. Okay. Anyone who watches the game and sees someone take a hard hit to the head and recognizes that, well, you've done the same thing. You've seen it just like a spotter has done. Um, but there's nothing being done about it. The, the correlation here would be if you've suffered from a gunshot and you go to the emergency room and there is a spotter in the emergency room who says, hmm, yep, you've been shot. And that's it. It ends right there. It's the very same thing. There's nothing that's being done about this. Um, and, and if you've got spotters who are watching it and also looking you in the eye and telling you, yeah, this isn't a thing. Well, you know, you, got a real you know, the NHL being involved in this now is, is, is something is somewhat new. I mean, a lot of people have been listening and talking about the football experience with all of this. But, you know, when you look back and, and think that it wasn't too long ago that hockey players didn't wear any helmets, um, there were there was nothing to keep their heads from being exposed, and also, what do you think about this this uh, concept of uh, you know allowing fighting, you know, punching right with within the within the course of the game, uh, where blows are being struck to different players' heads? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, elements of this game which I think are people just to be we're just beginning to realize maybe some of the aspects of brain injury in, in, in the NHL. Some of that seems quite odd to, to a lot of us. Is that, is that the way it strikes you? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. The NHL seized upon the fighting aspect of the game uh, to try to separate it from something that they would say would be inherent. And that would just be incidental contact as you're going for the puck, going for the goal. And by doing that, they want to try to put more responsibility on the individual player by saying, oh, he was fighting, and everybody knows you're not supposed to fight. Well, the problem is everybody knows that's part of Well, at, at least at the NHA, so, NHL level, they, they, cer- they exactly. certainly encourage it. They seem exactly. to encourage it for, for, you know, for the way it, 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 the fans seem to like it, you know? Exactly, and that's part of the game, and so they, they're, they're trying to use it as both a, a, a shield and a sword, you know, to say it's their fault, but also, hey, look, tune in next week, and you'll see another great fight. Well, you know what? There's just another, it's another twist and turn in a lot of the litigation you're involved in, Mike, and you, you see it all. So uh, we're awful glad to have you here talking about this today. Well, let's take a quick break right now, but we'll be right back in a minute, right here on Ringler Radio. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. 
There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my co-host, Bob Caples, from our Houston, Texas office. And we're speaking with our guest attorney, Mike Andrews, from Beasley Allen in Montgomery, Alabama. Mike, so do you foresee additional lawsuits against the NHL by former players? What, what's going on in that realm? You have a lot of older yeah. players, older players who I'm sure have been uh, wondering why they can't seem to think straight and uh, looking to folks like you to help, help them in that whole uh, endeavor. You do. You certainly do expect it, unfortunately, because as we've been discussing, the NHL even today is disputing that this is an issue. And so you've got the continuation of the misinformation and the the denial and keeping the information from the players. And so, yeah, as long as the game has these head impacts, as long as you've got people that are not sharing with the players, you know, that this is happening and it is real, then, of course, you're going to continue to have the injuries. And then at, at some point, you're going to have the litigation that results from that. So, Mike, uh, especially given your background and your expertise in this area and your position on the board. We know you're very informed and very passionate about it. Uh, would you think that the NFL is a good model for how to accept the reality of CTE and the enforcement of preventative measures and concussion protocol to lessen or eliminate head injuries? What's your thoughts on that? Boy, that's that's a, one question we could have a very long show about. Um the NFL, while they did recognize the issue and set aside a fund, have denied a great number of the applicants to the fund and made it difficult for folks who might be eligible to even recover under it. And so you've got an administration issue there with paying and honoring claims. That's, that's one issue. And so, you know, you can't say this is a good model because there's problems. There are definite problems with it. The other side of that is, again, you've still got head impacts and, and you've got, uh, chronic repeated impacts. And so you're going to have these injuries. You have to look at the equipment at some level too. You've got to look at the helmets. You know, are these, are these, is the padding state of the art? Is it being monitored correctly? Uh, are there, and this is, this hits home to a case that I'm handling right now, not, uh, not one of my NFL cases, but for a younger player. Uh, who was wearing a reconditioned helmet. You know, football helmets are a a declining asset. The more you use it, the less effective it becomes until at some point you have to discard it and get a new one. Uh, but unfortunately, helmets are recycled and reconditioned and retrofitted and reused over and over for years, and the level of protection declines each time you have an impact. Well, you know, Mike, beyond the professional leagues, I know that head trauma and CTE are, are issues of major concern right now in both college and high school sports. 
and the issue seems to have permeated youth sports as well. I mean, that seems to be where this is going. Uh, concerns about young kids, uh, especially with maybe brains that aren't totally developed, being involved in contact type sports like this. What What's your sense of where this whole thing is going? The risk is greater the younger the child because their brains are in the formative stages. And when you begin to set up these cascading traumas in the brain, uh, the, then the brain forms differently. The child develops differently. They're certainly more at risk for these issues later in life. But, but quite frankly, they become someone else. If you were to chart their life on a timeline, you would have to go back to the impact and drop down and say, okay, here's their new developmental timeline. So you, you get back again to the equipment. And, and the, the concussion protocol and the awareness is more important in, in youth sports than it is really anywhere else because think about it for a second in the nfl and college level you've got highly paid highly skilled trainers and doctors and and all sorts of positions that line the sidelines every game well youth sports you know sometimes it's called daddy ball and you've got guys who are very well-meaning and they've got a son who they think is going to be the next you know joe montana and so they're going to go out and coach a game, and again, well-intentioned, but misinformed, and can subject children to head impacts that have a lasting effect. Well, Mike, you, you know what this all means to a lot of people, especially you being in Alabama, very involved in uh, the football you know, culture. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, what's going to happen is you know, youth sports is going to have to kind of go away, youth football, youth hockey. Uh, if, in other words, they said if, if lawyers have their way, if, if some of these things come to fruition, uh, the, the, the liability aspects of it and the risks uh, about all that are going to be uh, they're going to be too great to bear. Uh, what do you what do you sense about the balance of between participation by kids and, and the good that that does and the potential risk and harm from the things we discussed today? Yeah, I think the threshold issue is really an easy one, and it's this. Do you want to take care of kids or not? If you don't, then you don't have to do anything. Keep keep business as usual and keep going just like you are. But if you care, you know, about the safety and health and well-being and development of children, um, then you have to recognize there are risks that can be and should be mitigated in the sport. You've already got you know, reduction in, in how far a player will run a ball back on a kickoff to try to reduce the, the great buildup of speed and momentum prior to the impact to try to cut down on some of these head injuries. Um, you know, some of those same things can be done at the youth level. And again, if you're going to have uh, sporting equipment that is not state-of-the-art and is not brand-new, then you're only asking for these kind of injuries to occur over and over. Well, Mike, this is a tr- tremendously interesting topic, and uh, it's it's certainly not something we can cover in one show. Uh, and I certainly hope you you'll come back at some point to discuss it even further. It's it's got a lot of uh, as you know cross currents of, of today's culture and today's important pressing issues. You know, not not the least of which is if you if you need that kind of great equipment, then how do the uh, the less fortunate folks out there in, in 
maybe poorer communities, how do they deal with the issues of trying to keep their kids involved in a sporting activity without maybe the resources to do it? So, you know, there are a lot of issues here, and I think, we, I think we'll come back another time and talk about some of those as well. What do you say about that? I am always glad to participate anytime. Thanks a lot, Mike. Well, if someone wanted to talk to you, Mike, or about this issue or others, uh, how would they get a hold of you? You know, the, probably the easiest way to reach me is by email, and that's mike.andrews at beasleyallen.com. Or you can just go to our website at beasleyallen.com, and you'll find me there. Super. That's pretty darn easy. And, uh, Bob, uh, how about yourself, if someone wanted to contact you? Mine is pretty simple as well, Larry. Thanks. Uh, I've got a bio page uh, under Robert Caples on ringlerassociates.com. I suppose folks could find me on my LinkedIn page. Uh, they could certainly find me by email at rcaples, C-A-P-L-E-S, at ringlerassociates.com, or lastly, by calling my uh, office number, direct 281-937-9090. Terrific. And uh, as Bob mentioned, ringlerassociates.com uh, is a great website. It's got a lot of great information about structured settlements, and uh, other important litigation issues as well. You can find all Ringler Associates on that website and if you need one in your particular uh, area. And, of course, you can listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. You can find them all on ringlerassociates.com. You can also find them on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or on uh, iTunes, where you can download them direct from iTunes to your device and listen to them at your leisure. So with that, Mike, I want to say thanks again for being a great guest here today. We've uh, we've learned a lot, and uh, I think we've uh, maybe have uh, the makings of another show, too. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks again. Thank you. And Bob, thanks for being a great co-host. Larry, thanks for having me. Mike, I enjoyed it. Terrific. Thank you. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day, but wear a helmet. Take care. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.